What are some of the character traits you would hope to find in a spiritual leader? Scientology was started by L. Ron Hubbard. Who was he, and what characteristics did he exemplify? That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We're back with another episode of our Apologetics Podcast, and today we start a new series on Scientology. Right, Scientology. You ready for this, Tyler? Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It's just there's so much uh, to unpack, lots of um, uh, interesting stuff about um, Scientology, and it's crazy because before this, uh, I didn't know too much about it before mm-hmm. we started researching and studying this. It was just kind of interesting. It's one of those uh, cults and religions that you just, I've heard about in the past, but I'm like, I'm, I've never really looked into. I've just, I'm like, oh, I know Tom Cruise is in it, but that's, that's about <laughs> yeah. it. So. Well, and, and Tyler, you've yeah. done the bulk of the studying and the putting together of this podcast episode, well, for this podcast series. And so would you say, uh, I was just thinking about this, um, when you don't know about things, is it enjoyable to go investigate them? Oh, yeah. No, it's so much fun. It's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it is It is especially, too, when it's apologetics-related, because when you're researching an apologetics topic, it's mm-hmm. um, it's just more fun that way because you're, you're seeing further, yeah, the Bible is true and I should believe what it says. So, like, <laughs> just further, because seeing, seeing other examples of different religions and uh, the way that... Um, there's uh, like their text run and the the spiritual leaders are mm-hmm. to them the way that they have their flaws and they they differ from Christianity and you see the comparison of the two it makes you realize uh, you know what I'm really happy that I, I'm trusting in the true God and yep. you, it's it's just it's humbling and it's also it's encouraging to see that. Christianity is true through studying apologetics yep, further. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. yeah, and if if you're out there and you don't know about a certain subject matter, go study it. Yeah, and get some yeah, books. Amazon is great. Um, <laughs> they don't even sponsor our show, and I'm going to say it. Uh, you can get books in a couple days. Um, it's awesome studying and and learning new things. And the more you learn, um, the more you see how the Christian worldview is true. Yeah, um, it's awesome. So hey, if I didn't say it before, and you're new to the podcast, my name is Robbie Lashua, and uh, my co-host is Tyler Hurley, and um, we're just so glad that you're here. We want this podcast to be about building confidence in Christians. We want you to be confident in your faith, and we want you to be able to defend your faith. That's the point of this. And now, the the truth be told, I haven't met very many Scientologists in my life. I I don't think I've met any. But we're called to be ready to give a defense to anyone Right. Who asks for the hope within us, right? First uh, Peter three fifteen, and so that would include the Scientologist. And so we want to take uh, a series here to really dive in and study uh, Scientology. We've done a lot with Mormonism and Islam and Jehovah's Witness, and so now we want to we want to dedicate some time and some episodes to uh, Scientology. So this is going to be good. Um, we're going to give a coffee tip. I know some of you are out there and you're foaming at the mouth for the coffee tip, <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to give it to you. But it's going to be at the end of the episode episode, um, but just as a teaser, this coffee tip is all about the science of coffee because we're talking about Scientology, so yes. we wanted to definitely tie that in there. And hey, if you haven't um, gone on and joined our Facebook page, Christ Culture and Coffee, we'd love for you to do that. Um, also, if you get on the page, you can join our group. It's a Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group, and uh, more and more people are joining this all the time. But you know what's been crazy, Tyler, is yeah. that people are asking to join but they aren't doing the one rule that we've put out there for them to join. So if you want to be part of the Insiders Group, which has exclusive content, which has podcast Mm -hmm. episodes we haven't put out anywhere else, um, if you want to get on there, there's just one thing we ask you to do. We ask you to go onto iTunes, to go on podcast, and to rate us and to write a review for us. It, It seriously takes you a minute. Um, And then once you do that and we see that you've done that and you've asked to be part of the group, we'll we'll, uh, let you in. But until you do that, we're not going to let you be a part of the group. So please join our group. We love it. We've got interaction. We've got people answering great questions on there. But um, you got to rate us and review us on iTunes. It's a really, it's a shameless plug for us, right? We're Mm -hmm. pressuring you in order to get reviews. Yeah, you'll see those questions on there. Um, When we ask you, uh, have you left us a review on iTunes? We just need you, when you see that, just remember 
remember, oh, okay, if I haven't done that yet, let me go do it. Yep. Do it, and then you can click yes, and then leave us a username, and then we'll know, okay, they did it, we'll add them, and we're good. Yeah, so. and we want you in there. We want to interact with you. We want to get to know you. We're going to yeah. be doing some Facebook uh, Live stuff. We're going to be doing some Q&A. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of promotions on there, so we really want to get to know you, so please go on and, and uh, join our Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group. Yes. All right, well, Scientology, here we go. Um, Scientology is a religion founded in America by a man named mm -hmm. L. Ron Hubbard um, in the early 50s, right, Tyler? Yeah, it was uh, 1954. 54. Yeah. Uh, they're headquartered currently in Los Angeles. Um, mm -hmm. It's really difficult to figure out how many followers they have because there's yeah. so much speculation and some people think the church is inflating their numbers and it's just kind of hard mm -hmm. to get a definite answer on how many people actually follow Scientology. Right, yeah. So we can't really share that information. But we want to dedicate this episode to talking about the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. Who was he? What was his life like? How did he found this religion? What did he say? And how did he live? And so Tyler, why don't you take us from there? Just start us off with who was this guy? Where did he come from? What did he do? Yeah, yeah. So um, L. Ron Hubbard, so he was, he was born in 1911. And he's like we said, he's the founder of Scientology, but um, something that's really interesting about him, probably the most interesting fact about him aside from that he founded Scientology is that he is a very, at the time in the 50s, he was a very well-known science fiction author. Okay. But not only was he well-known, he today still holds the Guinness World Record for most published works. Wow. Uh, more uh, from That's any crazy. author in history. Yeah, so and that that number stands at 1084 books. Wow, that's yeah, a lot that's, of writing. That's for one author. Yeah, and they, these weren't just small books either. Uh they were they were full like like some of them like 300 pages or more. Like uh, they were really big. Like he, he just he was very uh involved in science fiction that was that okay was his well how style. did he like write all science fiction like how much of his writings was science fiction it was pr pretty much all of it because he, okay. he mainly did short stories that was what he specialized in it um i haven't seen any evident like any works of his that came out that were i mean at least not ones that were popular that okay. weren't science fiction but what he was known for was science fiction but, but 600 of those books that he said um, out of the thousand, though, were science fiction based, but the rest of them were in Scientology. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so okay. So, literally, he's saying these are science fiction, but then yes. the Scientology stuff he's act he's he's saying is truth. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's what's really but happening. We might read them and go. It seems like science fiction. Yes. Yeah, so that's the clarity okay. there. So, I gotcha. so he may have had a couple books in there that were uh, that weren't based in that. Okay. But I mean, they're not important enough to where it was like. I mean, they never broke ground enough to where it got some popularity to be well known. So I see. He was mainly known for science fiction, and then of course. Course, his books that he published with Scientology, claiming was that scientific true, truth. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he grew up right. Uh, his yeah. dad was in the yeah. Navy, uh, mm -hmm. and he traveled abroad when he was a kid with his dad because his dad was in the Navy, kind of like a military family would. And then eventually um, he joined the Navy, right? Yes. So tell us about his his um, encounter in the Navy. What happened with him while he was in the Navy? Yeah, well, while Hubbard was in the Navy, he actually was a, be, promoted to become a commander of a vessel in which he authorized a missile strike off the coast of Oregon to okay. what he had believed to be two Jap Japanese submarines. Okay, and this is during World War II time? Yes, okay. yes, that is important to specify. Okay. Uh, it was during World War II time. It was in 1943. Okay, so in 43, he authorizes a missile strike? Is that what she said? Yes, a missile strike. On two Japanese subs off the coast of Oregon. Yes, in U.S. territory. In U.S. territory, in during U.S. waters. World War II, yes. Okay. Okay, well, what's the problem with this? Yeah, so the, the issue with it is there, once he had caused that attack, uh, that, that attack and he authorized a missile strike, they later investigated and they found no evidence of wreckage from any Japanese submarines or really? any evidence that they were ever there. Okay. Yeah, so the press was freaking out. So mistake. Out. Yeah, of course. But that's what you would say. But the thing was is the press was getting anxious about this, and they were saying, like, oh, like, wow, this is probably, like, another attack. Like, sure. And people were worried, like, this is Japan again. Are they attacking us? Mm -hmm. But then it turned out that, um, that Hubbard had actually – 
what they had claimed had struck onto some logs. And they thought they were like, okay, maybe it was just some driftwood that picked up on his sonar and he fired upon it. So that was the story that mm. they released to the media. Interesting. H- however, there was no evidence of that. So occurring. big mistake at yeah, best. Yeah, huge. Right, right. Maybe so, he wanted to fire some missiles just for fun. Well, but at best, it's just a huge mistake. Well, yeah, right. Okay. And, well, it's funny. That you stuff happens, though, right? I mean, it must. Right. That must happen sometimes. Well, that's what you think, yeah. And so, so nothing really happened to him. Uh, it wasn't a big deal. It was just it was an uninhabited water, so it was like it wasn't a big risk. But the thing is, is what you said is like maybe he was doing it for fun. It's funny you mentioned that jokingly, because uh-huh. uh, the next. Uh, scenario I have of his um, naval career to talk about is Hubbard uh, one day decided that he wanted to attempt a practice uh, strike on an island off of the coast of Mexico with his vessel. So he He wanted to practice on an island off the coast of Mexico. Yes. Like fire real Ammo. Live ammunition, fire missiles, an actual missile strike from this boat that he okay. was in command of. Onto a, an island. Yes. Okay. So Hubbard had believed that the island was uninhabited. However, it turned out that it was actually <clears throat> inhabited by Mexican territory, and oh there were gosh. people living on the island. You're kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there were people living on the island off the coast of Mexico. Mexicans were living there, and he authorized a missile strike. So he's authorizing missile strike in twice he's done this. Yes. First time, no subs. Second time, inhabited island. Yes, yes. Uh, And the craziest part about this is that it happened a month after he authorized the missile strikes off the coast of Oregon. What? This guy just sounds like he's trigger-happy or something. Yeah, that's crazy. So so he was was very... uh, very um yeah trigger happy with his missile strike so so he authorized this missile strike onto this island off the coast of mexico mm-hmm. and what had happened was again this was during world war ii so you got to think everybody with oh, like man. tensions were everybody's high. yeah uh, mexico probably like when they heard about this they probably like really freaked out we're like oh well, who wouldn't well, yeah is the u.s going to start invading us now like why what is, is he so reckless with missiles like this is weird yeah that, it's kind of right? strange yeah yeah and so, so so what happens to him yeah so what happened was um as soon as this happened uh the u.s government uh apologized to mm-hmm. mexico of course and they uh thankfully at the missile strike no one was harmed okay, none of the people good. living there were injured no one was killed just like this. the japanese subs no one was harmed right right <laughs> i mean the japanese okay. logs or whatever yeah right <laughs> that's the thing so so no one was harmed in this incident but um it, once that happened they're just like look if this has happened like twice in a, like a, a, a month, month time frame yeah. they they he immediately was uh fired from the navy basically he was let go okay well good oh well and he should be if he's yeah, firing yeah. missiles like crazy okay so what is what's his next move what did he do after that right so that's the crazy part so he's kind of at a loss right he Mm -hmm. just got he just got let go from the navy um and so he's got really nothing going on for him so he decides well look i'm gonna go to school so he goes to george washington university but Mm -hmm. then after two years of studying there he was placed on academic probation okay and he failed several classes so he ended up dropping out okay and then uh, something that's interesting about that, he also claims that during this time, uh, as well as the Church of Scientology today, they also back up this claim that Hubbard had received a degree from the Columbian College from from Columbian College. Okay. However, there's no evidence that this had actually occurred or that he ever got a degree really? from that school. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to check school records. It's not like a difficult thing to do. Yeah, and there's there's none <clears throat> to be found. Wow. Yeah. So possible lie. Yeah. Still but, but, from the but church too. Even They're today, if you this. go like and look at their records, like today they will defend this and say that he he received a degree at Columbian College. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, uh, so this is around the time frame that that would said to have happened. They would have said that he, uh, according to the timeline of Scientologists, mm-hmm. is that Hubbard <clears throat> went to school at George Washington University, dropped out after two years, and then went on to get a degree from Columbian College. Okay. So this is all prior to founding the yes. Scientology. Yes. So Scientology religion, right? was not yet founded. Okay. Yes. Okay. So after he gets. Uh, he gets discharged from the Navy. Mm-hmm. He gets put on academic probation and quits school. Yes. What does he do after this? Yes. So after that happens, uh, Hubbard finally begins his writing journey where he starts uh, coming out with these science fiction novels where he's getting okay. paid a penny a word. 
That's not a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that, even, that, that's even hard to make a living. Even for the 50s, that's not much. It's, no. So, yeah. But the thing is, is Hubbard, he, he becomes, like, enticed by it. Like, he's fascinated with writing these books. Okay. So he goes and he, he writes. That's how he gets this record, right? Yeah, because he wrote record. a ton, yeah. He wrote, he just, he's dishing them out. Like, he's just typing. Uh, um, something that's also interesting about this is he, it turned out that Hubbard during this time actually built himself uh, like a, a special keyboard that had special keys that already pre-typed uh, the words and button or like uh, uh, like so that way it would make on it quicker for him on a typewriter. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool to make it even faster for him to write. That's pretty ingenious. Yeah, which is pretty smart. Yeah, that is. That's so really, so that's really how smart. he was able to dish out so <clears throat> many books and like look, this is probably like his most uh, accomplished feat is that that uh, he was a really. Uh, well-successed author. Okay. Like, his books may not have been super popular. But there was a lot of them. But there was a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, so and it's quantity versus quality. Yeah, okay. so that's more where we're going at here. But people were still interested in them in the 50s. Like, his sure. books were selling. Well, so. in the 50s, too. I mean, you think back to, like, man, science fiction stuff was going through the roof. Oh, yeah. Then. Um, with yeah. even comics and like all this stuff, yeah, it was a really popular thing. It was, in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. And well, you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned too and brought up uh, that it was a popular thing because that kind of brings me to my next point. Um, so something that's interesting about Hubbard is he actually went to a, a science fiction convention in mm -hmm. New Jersey because again, these were blowing up. Yeah. Right? And this happened in 1949. Uh, Hubbard allegedly was speaking at this conference in uh -huh. New Jersey. And now I say allegedly because at the time uh, there was no audio or video recording of okay. him saying this. However, there were eyewitnesses and people that were there who quoted him that he ha that Hubbard said this. And there's multiple people who've yes. said that he said this. Yes, there okay. are. And he, he said, and I quote, uh, writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way would be to start his own religion. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and this was before Scientology. <laughs> How long until he started Scientology? One year. <laughs> not uh, even. Not he even. He kind of gave a, himself away Realistically, there. I think, okay, so let me think about this. So it was in, it was in July when, uh, uh, when, this, when this quote happened with this uh, science con convention. And okay. He came out with his first Scientology book in May of the next year. So it wasn't even a full oh, year. Oh, man. So he must yeah. have gotten working on that book pretty quick after yeah. he said that. He's like, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's, so that's the thing. <clears throat> so uh, Hubbard uh, actually came out the following year in May of 1950 with his first Scientology book, Dianetics. Dianetics. And this, is a, this still is kind of like Scientology 101 yes. today. If you want to yes. get into Scientology, this is a book they, that they recommend you read. This is like, like probably their, yeah, their core book is Dianetics. Okay, it's the first, it's the one that started yeah. it at all. Yeah, because this is, this is their whole process. And like, we're going to get into that, this in future uh, <clears throat> podcast episodes coming up. Yeah, we're, today we're not going to get into talking about their beliefs and their practices, but we're just yes. talking about the founder. Yes, exactly. Okay, so in 1950, May of 1950, he comes out with Dianetics. Uh, yes. Okay, what happens next? Well, okay, well, what's fascinating about this too is, uh, so, so this book was uh, over 180,000 words, and it only took him three weeks to write from beginning to end. Oh, wow. So that's something that's interesting about this, too. Yeah, he wrote it pretty fast. He wrote it very quickly. Okay. So uh, so that was something uh, uh, that's notable about the book, is he, he, he just produced it in three weeks. Like, that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but then going back a little bit into looking at this, uh, at Hubbard's marriage life, and okay. to a little bit more in his personal life, aside from his works. Okay. Um, to provide a little context for his founding of Scientology. Yeah, well, when you're following a when you're following any religious leader, you want to look at who they are in all aspects of their life, yeah. public and private. Yeah, right. Sure. Like, like with with any religious leader, like like what are some probably like good qualities that you look for in them, right? Like, yeah. it's typically like you want them to be uh, uh, upstanding, a good person, good people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you want them to be a good spiritual leader? So um, that's something to consider. So when we're looking at Hubbard's personal life, you can see. Just some gray area in his marriage that kind of leaves you questioning, okay, well, is this guy really a qualified leader? Okay, well, what happened? Yeah, so Hubbard was married <clears throat> multiple times. Okay. And basically, his first marriage was ending, and Hubbard had not legally divorced his wife, Margaret Grubb Hubbard, by the time he had married his second wife. Wait a second. 
he ha- he wasn't legally divorced by the time he got married again? No. That's illegal. It is. It was a That's bigamous a marriage. deal. Oh. He was legally married to two women Come on. for over a year. Did the second wife know about this? No. So that's the thing. So Hubbard went to this uh, to this woman. His second wife, her name is Sarah Northrup Hubbard. Okay. Um, she sued him in divorce for, in 1951 through the Los Angeles County Superior Court because uh, she had discovered one year after they were married that he was still legally married to another oh woman. Oh my gosh. He, she it's thought a, he a, was he was single. It's a bad move to lie to the woman you're getting married to about not being married. Yes, that is yes. not smart. So, so That's he's right. mm-hmm. he's he him and his first wife not working out, right? Doesn't legally divorce, remarries another woman, doesn't tell her about the previous marriage that he's still in. She finds out, she gets mad, mm-hmm. she files the second wife yes. files for divorce from him because of his previous marriage that he's still in. Yes, yes, and but this is where it gets crazy, Robbie. So this is where it gets crazy. Yeah, with, well, oh my gosh. Well, I shouldn't even say this because there's even more after this oh that my takes goodness. place. Okay. But th- this is where it starts to get crazy. That's why I should say. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is nuts. So he, so when he gets f- uh, a d- sued for divorce by his second wife, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah, she claimed in her legal divorce allegations that Hubbard had abused her oh. by sleep deprivation, beatings, strangulations, and kidnapping of their first child and fleeing to Cuba. What? Right. It sounds crazy. You're like, uh, that, that sounds crazy. That's fabricated, right? But then the thing is, we there's evidence that this happened. Uh, there was there were um, there was newspapers, several newspapers in 1951 that reported that their that the kidnapping of their child to Cuba did take place. Really? Yes. Oh my and that gosh. was one year after he had published <clears throat> Dianetics. Okay, so he's already started. The ball rolling by this with Scientology. Point, by the time of the divorce. And he had kidnapped a child yes. and taken it to Cuba. His own child, but he took it from his wife. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, and, but not only that, um, it, there were just all of these statements he made to her, uh, too, that were to make matters worse. He, uh, she claimed in her divorce filings that Hubbard also counseled her that she must commit suicide, and quote, if she really loved him. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's so, horrible. Yeah, it just this horrible, messy stuff <clears throat> that came out about how he was treating her in their marriage, and so it N- just yeah. Now again, <clears throat> when people are getting divorced, they're not really happy with the other person. Well, right, yeah. So there could be fabrication on her part. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we and can you give can make the that claim. Of the doubt, sure. Right, but it doesn't seem good. And he did marry two women at one time. Yeah, and not only so w- the facts that we can prove without a doubt is that he was married to two women at a time. Okay. And he did kidnap their child to Cuba. Okay. So yeah, that's so not a good track record after you sent two missile strikes on logs yeah. and uh, an inhabited island off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And so and that's crazy. And yeah, so, this is not a good character sketch of this person. Right, right. It doesn't seem like he's got a good track record here. Yeah, and so so when you look at this, <clears throat> so th- that's just the, the, the divorce, right? Uh, but let's take it back a little bit to, okay. give you, to give a little context to that. So before this took place, it, this was around the 1930s and 40s, okay. um, kind of an unspecified time frame for some of these events. Um, but Hubbard had became involved in the occult mm. in L.A., and he'd become a hypnotist. Okay. So this is what's really interesting about his involvement with becoming a hypnotist in um, Scientology. There's actually subtle... Uh, references of like uh, uh, evidences of hypnotism throughout some of their practices, which we'll, we'll get into further detail in okay. future episodes. But it seems like he took what he learned about hypnotism into Scientology. Yes, that is that is uh, <clears throat> kind of like Joseph Smith took Freemason temple ritual into Mormonism. Yes, similar yes. thing. Okay. And then and then there's more evidence that that's that's occurring later. But I just wanted to make the point that yes, it is important to note that by this point when he had joined the occult, he had also become a trained hypnotist. Okay. Um, so later, he had actually met his second wife, Sarah. The one so this that, is the one who divorces him after she finds out he's yes, already married. Yes, and the one who he had abused and okay. had those allegations. Uh, yeah, so um, he had actually met her through an occult group that was led by Jack Parsons. And now, now Jack Parsons was he was a disciple under this leader of the satanic cult. Uh, he went he his leader was uh, Alistair Crowley. That's Oh what, yeah, I've heard of Alistair Crowley. Yes. Yeah, he was big time. Mm-hmm. And he he was known as his Elias as the B666, like this very 
like that was like his alias. That was like his name. Yeah, alias. Sorry, uh, alias. Okay. That's why. I'm sorry. So yeah. it's like the name he went. By. That's it what was he like went by. The B six six six. Yeah, that's Jeez. what he went by according to members of the cult. Yeah. So it was a satanic cult. And so Crowley, I mean, you've heard of him. You said he yeah. was a leading Satanist, uh, a sorcerer, and a black magic- magician. And he also founded a sexual magic cult. Uh, and that, that was something that Parsons had gotten involved with, with Crowley. And, they were, and the evidence we have of Hubbard's involvement in this is they had written letters mentioning Hubbard's involvement. Because he came very okay. close in ties with the occult with them and the, the stu- things that they were doing in the 30s Even and in 40s. the sexual cult. Yes, even mm. in the sexual cult. And so th- there's more that even goes into that. <clears throat> okay. So with his second wife, uh, uh, Sarah, she was Parsons' girlfriend at the time. Okay, now, Parsons, wait, so Parsons is the guy who's under Aleister Crowley. Yes. He's like a leader in this satanic cult. Yes, yes. And he is, so mm-hmm. Hubbard, his second wife previously had been the girlfriend of this cult leader. Exactly. Okay. Yes, so that's exactly what's happening. So so at the time, she's still Parsons' girlfriend, not okay. not with Hubbard. Okay. So at the time, they together, the three, the three of them, uh, participated in these sexual cult rituals. Okay. And th- it was basically this crazy thing where uh, there were letters back and forth ta- talking about how Hubbard was involved in helping partake in the sexual rituals that were represented by the Babylonian woman in Revelation 17. But Mm. before they could go through... Who did they think... The Babylonian woman, were they saying that this was the... The Sarah? Yes, uh, my apologies. Yes, okay. that's what they were saying. They were saying that Sarah was supposed to fill this this biblical character role. Uh, and they were basically, uh, what they were trying to do is they were trying to come out with uh, a ritual to bring forth the child spawn of Satan. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And so, the, so the, this the, is really dark. Yeah. Yeah, like horrible, really. Horrible, horrific stuff. Okay. Really terrible, like, stuff. And so uh, what had basically <clears throat> happened was um, they were just involved with these rituals. And something that they had noted was Parsons said in a letter that uh, hu- he noted how Hubbard was so skilled and knowledgeable of these occult rituals that mm. it, it, he was, it, like, he admired him for it. Wow. So, okay. so basically, without a doubt, several people who were within that cult claimed not only was Hubbard involved in it, but he was very like close with the leaders. Knowledgeable of it, of it mm-hmm. good at it. Okay, he so was he, good at it. So he, for sure, he's involved in the occult. Yes, satanic rituals, uh, sexual rituals. Yes, exactly. With this lady, who then he marries later. Yeah, and that's and so <laughs> at the time uh, before he married this woman, he was with his first wife. You got to remember that. So the okay. timeline here is he he married this woman for a year before he had filed for a divorce with his second wife. Okay. I mean, so, first okay wife. so like with all of this stuff, because there's evidence of these letters being written yes. and you can read this yes. stuff. So what, like, do the Scientology, the Church of Scientology today, do they admit to this? Do they say, hey, yeah, this is who our leader was? Because right. I would kind of yeah. like not like this stuff to get out. Right. Well, that's a good question, Robbie. And you would think, yeah, like they, they would want to h- cover this up, right? Or just say, or just deny it completely. Or just deny like, it, This yeah. is crazy. But the thing is, they can't deny it because the, this it, the, there's evidence that this happened. Uh, Hubbard even like mentions it in some of his writings that he had involvement in cults okay. in Los Angeles. Oh, man. So there's no so getting you can't, around can, it. you can't deny that. Yeah. yeah so, but however, the Church of Scientology, <clears throat> even today, they did then and t- today defend Hubbard in this situ- scenario. And they what they claim is that Hubbard was under strict orders from naval intelligence to infiltrate this cult and bring it to the ground and uncover top secret evidence. What? Because at the time, he was still in the Navy when he was involved in this cult. Yeah, but so they just, claim... I mean, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> just thinking about yeah. this as a sane person... Why would the Navy care about a satanic cult? Right, and not only that, it's it's a land operation. You would yeah, think like that, that doesn't be even a make different sense. Department of the military. And yeah, what? I'm just trying to think of what national threat the satanic cult was. Now, again, I disagree yeah. with that. I think it's horrible. Right. But, yeah. But, like, but that a national that doesn't even threat. make sense, man. Yeah. So, okay, all right. That's, so yeah, that's kind so, of weird. That's a weird. But the the interesting part of that to me, just thinking from like an argument apologetic right. standpoint, is the fact that they are claiming that it was a Navy sting operation 
proves he was legitimately involved in it. They're it admitting he was involved in it. Yes, because they can't deny it because he writes about wow. it, which okay. we'll get into that even too. But yeah, crazy, right? Okay, well, and then, well, but then he, so, but he marries this other lady who's involved yes. in it. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's interesting. But she was a girlfriend of the other guy. Yes. So, so, okay. the, mm-hmm. so that's the thing. So he he actually. So that's how we have so much evidence of this, right? So what it ended up happening was after he ran off with the Parsons' girlfriend, uh-huh. uh, he ended up uh, getting letters, angry letters from Parsons, saying uh, like, uh, "How could you steal her from me?" Sure. Basically, like talking. And that's how we have so much is because he was sending letters to Hubbard and writing to him to get in contact and say, look, I can't believe you did this. And I that's the evidence we have of this. Yes. Okay. And that's how he talked about his involvement. He's like, look, you were like involved in the cult. So you were, you were doing so well with us. Like, why would you betray me and leave like this? Mm. Like, like, so yeah, it was a big deal. So th- this, this definitely occurred and that's so, the evidence we have of but it. That, okay. But this again, doesn't make sense with the cover up story. Because right. if you were trying to infiltrate the satanic cult to bring mm-hmm. it down, why would you steal the guy's girlfriend and leave? Wouldn't exactly. you just stay there and like that's exactly. kind of a that's a bad way to do a sting operation? <laughs> yeah, and so he put this whole mission in jeopardy. So so yeah. that's the other thing. Well, you they didn't think bring about. it down. The satanic cult. So, so still let's going on. yeah, like let's give them the like let's give them that. Let's say sure he let's say mm-hmm. that there was evidence that came out. Which by the way, there's also no. Uh, records that were found at all that like there was research done in U.S. Navy records for this, and there's oh. no evidence that there was ever a sting operation. Okay. Set so up. again, it's this mysterious thing that there's no evidence for. Yeah, again, mm-hmm. and so so the crazy thing is though, is you would think like, yeah, like like why would he if you give them that and you say okay sure, we'll hear you out and say that it was for this crazy okay. U.S. Navy sting operation. Sure, but that doesn't explain. Uh, that still is a bad view of his character and showing that he put the whole mission at jeopardy, as, at yeah. jeopardy yeah. all to pull pull aside his, the girlfriend of this the leader wife, of the cult. To lie to her about not being married. Yes, and then to marry her. <laughs> and then and to then, have her get mad and divorce him. Yes, so so let's, so let's even if those, truths, those facts are true. It doesn't make is, sense of, It yeah, doesn't, it's still. He's horrible at sting operations. He is. Yeah, he let, he, ban- he he put the navy in jeopardy once again. Yeah, his honestly, if you if you take it into account, his involvement mm. in the U.S. Navy was a joke. Yeah, that's a pretty bad record. It is. That's yeah, that's a pretty so, bad record. So that's that's something really important <clears throat> to know about his character. And his well, life. and and then again, this gets back to as a Christian, like yeah. being involved in occultic practices is something that God clearly condemns. Yes, we're not to do that, right? And mm-hmm. this guy's dabbling with really dangerous, really powerful spiritual forces, right? And and now you. And now people are trying to say, well, but Scientology is the truth, right? He's that that stuff's not infiltrating any of his thinking over here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's just thing. hard for me to that's, believe. Yeah, that's what he's claiming. And so, <laughs> the thing is, so he ended up marrying uh, after the after his divorce with this wife. So uh, that was basically that's the whole backstory on his second wife and how he got okay. to know her and how that upbringing happened. And that was a good chunk of his life. Okay, so. At this point, this the divorce is already finalized. The year is 1953. Does he ever get divorced from his first wife? Yes. So that's okay. what that's what had happened actually during the filing of a. So what had actually happened was when when his second wife filed for divorce. That was when she found out that Hubbard was married to his first wife still because okay. the divorce came through at that time and it came out. Okay. So it came it came out that he was married to two women after his first divorce was finalized. Okay. So that's how it occurred. That's okay. how she, how Sarah found out. She found out while she was trying to get divorced. While the first wife was getting divorced. She found out through the first wife oh, I see. divorcing. Okay. Yes, so that's basically what it occurred there. Okay. So what happens next in this guy's wild and crazy life? Yes. So um, obviously it didn't work out <laughs> with his first two wives. Mm-hmm. He marries a third woman. Okay. Um, however... With his third wife, this is the wife that uh, the wife that um, stayed with him until he passed away. Okay, so, so they were married a while. Yes. Okay. So uh, so he uh, Hubbard died uh, in 1986, and they got married in 1952. So yeah, they okay, they so were together for a while. But he married her almost immediately after the second divorce. Yeah. Well, you said 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so wow. Okay, so it's like, so he's involved in the occult, he's lying about who he's married to, he writes this book, Dianetics, yes. 
and then he gets married for the third time, like t- within two years of writing within his two first years, book. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> in Dianetics, like, what was what was he claiming? Like, what were what's the ideas of it? Is it like science fictiony? Like, what's what's going on in this book? Yes, and so what's what's interesting to note about that is, and that's what we were getting at, where it, there's some ties to involvement into the cults. Is Hubbard claimed? In Dianetics, when he wrote this, Mm -hmm. that his information and resources were obtained from the medicine man, uh, men of the Goldie people uh, of Manchuria, and the shamans of North Borneo, and then the Sioux. Sorry. Oh, the Sioux. That's Sioux. There you go. Thank you. Medicine men. Thank you. Sioux medicine men, uh, and the cults of Los Angeles, which that's notable, and modern psychology. That's where Hubbard claims he obtained all of his information. This is in the book Dianetics. Yes, it is in Dianetics. I, I found out this stuff from. Yes. The the medicine man of the Goldie people, the shamans of North Borneo. Sue Medicine Man, Cults of L.A. and Modern Psychology. Yes, and that was quoted by him, by Hubbard directly in Dianetics. That okay, he obtained so that's what he's saying those are his that. sources. Yes. Interesting. And, uh, yes, and so he, he says that he had traveled the world and that he met all of these people yeah. during his time in the Navy. However, there's, there's no evidence during his personal time in the Navy that he had left the coastal <laughs> water, the continental U.S. Well, he was in Oregon. Yeah, well, he, yeah, but that's not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, close, <laughs> But he's still in the continental U.S. That's yeah, the thing. Sure. So he 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 didn't go to like I mean the only evidence that we have of this is that uh, he likely did travel around the world with his father when he was young. Okay. When he was in the navy. Okay. But yeah, but the thing is, is you see too, like he says that that's where he gets it from, and so especially pointing out that he got a lot of his basis from the cults of Los Angeles. Yeah, what, that's what do you think he, he would be talking that. about? Well, right? these, these cults that he was involved in, right? Right, yeah. And I mean, there's no there's no other evidence mm-hmm. he was involved with other cults aside from these the satanic and sex cult mm-hmm. in LA where he met, married a second wife. Like there so that's got to be it, right? So yeah. hearing about their practices and what they do, like that just doesn't seem like something that would be worth like that, that would appealing, be yeah. appealing, yeah. And so yeah, so Hubbard mm. claims that he applied this into his truth in Dianetics. Interesting. Right. All right, so he founds Scientology, and <clears throat> again, we're going to talk about um, their practices and their beliefs and um, the people who follow it and their structure of leadership and everything. But what happens to him? So he gets, I mean, he gets really rich from Scientology yes. because yes, they charge does. you for it. So he becomes super <laughs> rich. Um, and then how did his life end up? Yeah, so uh, basically, like we were mentioning earlier, he married his third wife in 1952 until he had died, uh, reportedly, of a stroke in 1986. Okay. Uh, heads of the Church of Scientology, actually, this is really interesting, uh, during the last few years of his life, um, they isolated him from friends and family. Really? Yeah, and it was really strange. Like, mm. he wasn't with his wife and, like, his family Whoa. during the last few years of his life. He was completely isolated at an undisclosed location. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's, no, there's no, like, uh, real answers as to why this, this occurred. It's mm. really interesting. And so, um, but however, they were shocked. Uh, Scientologists at the time were shocked that their leader, who understood the science of the mind, could die from a stroke. Okay, they had so much faith in him right? and what he taught that to die in that yeah, way was just... Yeah, because that's the whole idea of Scientology, right? It's, <clears throat> it's tapping into the mind, which we're going to get into that um, more in future episodes, like I said. Yeah. But, but they, 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 they're built up on this whole belief system that Hubbard is basically like the Messiah, bringing knowledge to them, like saying, like, so look, this is... would we say that... Is this fair to say? Because you've studied this a lot, and yeah, I, right. I've, I've looked into it a little, but not, not like you. Is it fair to say that... Hubbard failed to accomplish what Scientology teaches. Yeah. Okay. You would so say he that. didn't make he didn't make it. He didn't he didn't finish what he's trying to get people right. to do. Right. And now okay. what Scientologists would say is that since that occurred, what what had happened to him likely is he was now reincarnated into another person. Mm. Okay. His spiritual, which again that gets really sure. complicated and into more. But why would stuff you follow a guy who couldn't do it? Yeah, well, they, like that's a what they would say is leader. that he's the, he's the one who's gotten the closest, and he understood by um, he tapped into this. It was basically like okay. like as if 
it's as if like, like, okay, this is going to be a crazy analogy, but it's the best way I can describe it. It's as if, um, you've seen the matrix, right, Robbie? Yeah, sure. It's as if like all of a sudden you're in the matrix and all of a sudden you do something weird where a cord gets knocked loose and you're like, okay, I've tapped into it. I'm kind of, I just realized that there's something else going on I'm just in this pile of soup and my brain has electrodes to it. Yeah. So it was almost as though he tapped into somewhat of an enlightenment, but without fully understanding it. That's what they would claim. And, and so he didn't fully accomplish it. So he has to do it again. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's, but he's the closest one. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Okay. And so they believe that he is the start of bringing awareness to the idea of Scientology, of getting out of this endless reincarnation cycle. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, so um, the last thing we wanted to mention before we can kind of contrast who he yes. was is yes. this uh, statement he makes in the seventh article of the Creed of Scientology. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And so this is something really interesting. Uh Hubbard quotes word for word in saying, all men have the inalienable rights to think freely, to talk freely, to write freely on their own opinions and to counter or utter or write upon the opinions of others. So basically, if you look at this quote, Mm -hmm. and if Scientologists hold faithful to the creeds and writings of Hubbard, right? They should know, obviously, that people are going to counter Hubbard's beliefs. And, and, and that we're free to. Yeah, and we're free, free to think, free to write, to Hubbard, free to right? talk, yeah. And so I believe <clears throat> that with this statement from Hubbard, that it is only fair to say that we counter the opinions of L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, freely. Right? We're freely. talking about his opinions and yes. we counter them with, with good, sound reason. Yes, and we are mm-hmm. doing that today. We are doing what Hubbard Permitted, right? Yeah. Hubbard said himself, he said, look, anyone can freely oppose me and investigate in my teachings, but uh, like in this, this will happen. I know that people will counter this. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. And so he, Scientologists should expect this, right? Yeah. Um, and, but then the thing is, is you got to think like, uh, it, after what we've looked at, I think uh, just at least from the life of Hubbard, it doesn't paint a good foundation for where Scientology began, right? It doesn't, Tyler. If this guy lies about not being married, yeah, seems like he lied about traveling the world. Um, seems like this whole lie about he was in the intelligence of the navy well, and and he was paid to cults. write lies. That's what science fiction is. Fiction is lies. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Why would you trust him with your eternal soul? Like he doesn't seem like a trustworthy person, right? Well, and that gets into what are what are the characteristics that you would want in a good religious leader? Yeah, well, well, I would want someone who makes wise decisions, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'd want somebody who is wiser than I am. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Somebody who makes good decisions and doesn't shoot people on an island, right? (laughs) Yeah, doesn't make poor decisions. Um, I want someone who you can see that they set a good example to their friends and family as just someone who, uh, who like like remains with their wife and their family Mm -hmm. and kids, and that they're. Yeah, they keeps treat their them commitments. Well. Yeah, keeps their yeah. commitments. There you They're go. honest. I honesty, yeah. I kind of think is a big deal when it comes to a religious leader. Yeah, right. Truthfulness, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think being concerned for others. It doesn't seem yeah. like he was really concerned about too many people. Yeah, it kind of seemed like he was out for himself. Yeah, and a it lot doesn't of this. seem like he had self control either. It no, seemed like it right. I mean, it seemed like he just did whatever he wanted it, to do. It doesn't. Yeah, and, yeah, and he didn't mind the wreckage that it caused. Or and that, or, that was a repeating pattern that you could see throughout his life. <clears throat> yeah, and it didn't sound like he had a really sound mind. It sounded like he was kind of. I mean, again, you can't you can't say the accounts that his second wife said are necessarily true. But yeah. if he if he was involved in the occult, man, it's not crazy to think he was telling her to commit suicide if he really loved yeah. him. And it's th- that's the kind of stuff that goes on in there. And so. Yeah, he contrast contrast L. Ron Hubbard with Jesus. <laughs> right. Jesus, <clears throat> there's no he says that that line is wrong, right? That right. telling the truth, that, that virtue is what we need to seek after, right? That we need to love our enemies, that we need to love our neighbors, that we need to pray for those who persecute us, right? He had an extremely sound mind. His wisdom, people keep saying that they were amazed and astonished at the things he was saying, right? Yeah. He was confounding the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and showing them up with logic and reasoning, um, and they couldn't combat it, right? right. It's it, it, very opposite L. Ron Hubbard. Jesus didn't dabble with demons. No. He, he cast them out. When Jesus showed up on the scene, they got afraid of him. 
and they knew who he was. L. Ron Hubbard is 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 delving into and dabbling with occultic rituals. He's embracing and, it. Yeah. 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 So so opposite of of who Jesus was. Yeah, and that, no, no, that's really important to think about, and that's that's our purpose in this podcast. It's it's we're not we're not just directly attacking the Church of Scientology in this. It's not not our goal. Our goal is to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing in this episode. Is we're trying to bring awareness and show that look. You, we can be confident in Christianity in the Bible because Jesus is a reliable spiritual leader, mm-hmm. and he brings truth in life, and you can see that. And, and then in doing so, sometimes it's important to compare uh, other church and cult leaders and see the difference. Yeah, and that—well, that, yeah. I mean, because if, if you have the option, L. Ron Hubbard— Jesus Christ. Just as a character standpoint. Oh my gosh, then it's not even close, yeah. man. Yeah, it's, not, it's even, not, not even, even close. Not even Who's more trustworthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, is his life has a stench around it of being the typical cult leader. He does. We've yeah. seen this story over and over. What a cult leader's after, Tyler. Yeah, it's money, sex, and power. Money, sex, and power. That's yeah. it. That's what they want. I mean, he literally said, if you want to become a millionaire, start a religion. Yes, he was after himself. He was after money. And yeah. look, look, he was after sex. He, yep. he married multiple women. Yep, and was doing the sexual yeah. occult practices. Um, there's even more alleged um, occultic and orgy-type stuff that's mentioned even after yeah, the Yeah, we couldn't even talk about it. We in can't this. get into all of that. Yeah. But power, wealth, sex, that's absolutely what this guy was seeking. Um, yeah. Again, it's a common story. It's it's what Joseph Smith got, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, this is this is the making of a cult leader. Yeah, it's what you see with <laughs> with uh, Muhammad. Yeah, it's it's yep. it, it's really common. It's just it's just that's the typical stand, standpoint. And so it well, just, and that's that's where okay. So like, if yeah. you're out there and you're not even a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, you have to stop and look at these leaders out there, these other religious leaders, and Jesus stands so drastically different than them. Yeah. I mean, the guy wasn't even married. Right. Right? I mean, so sex wasn't even on the table for him. It wasn't even something he engaged in at all. Yeah. He, um, mm-hmm. So so he just, he's such a contrast to these these other guys like Joseph Smith, like Muhammad, like uh, L. Ron Hubbard. You know, it's just, you consider the claims of Jesus because he just does at least, at the very least, you have to admit, he stands out as unique among the religious leaders of the world. Yeah. That's that's true, and just just off of his character alone, you can yeah. see that, and that, that's totally what, that's that's one of the major points that we're bringing here. So it's just, um, it's just seeing that Jesus is trustworthy, and you can you can believe in. A li- it's easier to believe in what he says, but when you compare like his actual lifestyle and the choices he's made through his life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really the whole driving point of this episode was to just bring light and kind of set the foundation for how Scientology was developed. Um, uh, and uh, like I said, we said before, uh, we don't know really any Scientologists or that many like in person. No, and there's, it doesn't seem like there's as many out there, right? Uh, as there are Mormons or Muslims. Yeah, yeah, but but they <clears throat> are out there. There's yes. there's a good following of them in LA. Um, in fact, I think there's I think there's a Scientology uh, uh, meeting group in Phoenix. I'm oh, is sure. it? I'm, I'm sure there is. Yeah. yeah, and so so like they're they're still out there. It just um, even though we may not encounter them all the time, we we're we're still called by Scripture to always be prepared to make a defense, right? And to, yes. And this is important: is realizing, hey, there's there's these cults and religions out there, and these false ideas being spread. And we're we're called by scripture to seek these out and to point, point truth into yep. into the culture into the light. Yep. And if something is true, it it can stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. If something is yeah. true, it can it can be pressed hard and it comes out um, as shining. It comes out true. You're right. And that's what yeah. we want to do with Christianity. I don't want to give Christianity a pass. I I delve into making sure it's legitimate. Yeah. But that's what we need to do with all different religions. And, and honestly, cults. that's the thing. If you really press hard on any idea or worldview, like for evidence of it or 
truth. You can see that that if it's true, it prevails. It does. It does. Like, you just, truth prevails. You that's it. for sure. Yep, I completely agree with that. Like if it's actually true, it's not going to be impossible to figure out. Like you you can know. Yeah, you yeah. can understand it. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for studying all this and putting this together, man. This has just been pretty enlightening for me. I learned so much about L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> about his yeah, wild right. and crazy life. Yeah. Well, thanks. I yeah. It. So, and I'm excited about the next few podcasts we do on Scientology. So if you're out there and you're listening, make sure to tune in as we continue this series to learn more about their beliefs, more about um, uh, the untruth that's in it and how we as Christians can reach out and we can love them by sharing the truth with them. Yeah. All right, well, before we go, we definitely want to share the coffee tip. Yes, we did promise a coffee tip. We did. And so there's this common myth out there, and I make fun of people who put a lot of milk in their coffee, to be honest. Because um, like like Clay Jones said last week, right? <laughs> I drink it, and I drink it black. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that that's great. I love black coffee. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. And then there's other people who douse it with milk, right? Yeah. And again, it's not bad. It's not a sin or anything. But there is kind of a... Um, a rivalry going between people who put milk in their coffee and people who drink it black, right? Yep. And um, I've heard people say, hey, listen, black is better because of the antioxidants and everything that is in it. It's healthier for you, too. You're not getting all the sugar and the... Yeah, and the the calories and stuff. Mm -hmm. That that is true. However, the antioxidant thing, um, there was a study done by Nestle uh, scientists, oh. right? Because of Scientology, see how I tied it in there? Ah, oh, yeah, scientific. exactly. Scientific. Um, the Nestle scientists did this huge study, um, and they were um, they were looking at the antioxidant properties that are in uh, coffee. And there's these things called polyphenols that are found in coffee. They're antioxidant qualities. Uh, they're linked to a ton of health-promoting benefits, right? Antioxidants, mm. we know, are good for human beings. So um, some people say if you, if you put a bunch of milk in it, it ruins that. Mm, and so Nestle okay. did this huge study on milk in coffee, black coffee, um, artificial creamer in coffee, instant coffee, and they'd have people drink it. They'd wait 12 hours, and then they would draw blood, and they would check to see if these polyphenols were in the bloodstream, how many of them were there. And, wow, right? that's crazy. Yes, yeah, super scientific. And it's pretty interesting. What they found was that it doesn't matter what you put in your coffee. If you're drinking it, you will get the antioxidant properties. Wow. Some, okay. of, the, some of the different factors, it, it took longer to get into people's bloodstream. Okay. But eventually, the same amount got into everyone's bloodstream. Okay. So what I took away from this scientific study about coffee was drink coffee in any way you can. And it's <laughs> because fine. you're getting yeah. you're getting these polyphenols, you're getting these antioxidant properties into you. So thank you Nestle uh, for that uh, wonderful scientific uh, study <laughs> and that we know that coffee is good for our blood and good for us with the antioxidants. Wow. That is a great coffee tip. It is a great coffee tip. I think it's yeah, so don't feel guilty if you're putting those little, you know, French vanilla it's healthy. <clears throat> yeah, fake <laughs> cream that's been sitting on the counter for 5 years. Um, you can put in, that's fine. Um, that's fine. If you want your coffee to taste like that, that's fine. (laughs) But just know you will, coffee prevails. That's the thing. Just like truth prevails, coffee prevails, man. So, and the antioxidants man. are going to get in no matter how you pollute your coffee. So, so this probably even includes like those chocolate-covered coffee beans too. Probably. Like, oh, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. Those. Absolutely. It gets, it gets in, man. Yeah, so everything. the coffee tip of the day is keep drinking coffee, my friends. Stay strong with your coffee game. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, yes. and there are some health benefits to it. So, That's Well, great. thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Again, make sure you join our Facebook group, Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders for exclusive content, for a cool Q&A, for more personal interaction with me and Tyler. And uh, we will be back uh, We will be back yes. next week for another uh, installment of this Scientology series that we're doing. So, Tyler, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to send us any messages if you have any questions about this podcast. Uh, we'd be more than happy to uh, help answer any questions that you might be having uh, in regards to Scientology uh, throughout this whole series or yes. any podcast we cover. We always do that. But um, specifically in Scientology, be, feel free to send us some messages uh, with any questions that you might have in regards to the content that we discussed on here. Yep. Well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee, and we, we will be back next week. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.